listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Ignition sequence start. See, Elijah Wan has David Robinson just bamboozled. Kelly out of the corner for three hitters. Don't ever underestimate the heart of a champion. The Houston Rockets select Yao Ming. McGrady at the buzzer. I know what we need to do. I know exactly what we need to do. Russell Westbrook, James Harden. I know what's at stake. It's going to be scary. Not for us. Hello and happy NBA Day. Welcome to another episode of the Launchpad Podcast presented by Clutch City Control Room. Your home for all things Houston Hoops. I am one of your hosts. Shar Binkley. You can find me on Twitter at H-Town for like 40, all caps. And I'm your second host, Anthony Duckett. And you can find me on Twitter at A underscore Duckett. And be sure to follow the official Clutch City Control Room account at Clutch City CR, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. All right, so for today's episode, we're going to be actually discussing real basketball that actually counts. We're going to be going over the Rockets-Mavs game tomorrow as the Rockets kick off their seeding games. We're going to be kind of going over some of the advantages the Rockets may have against the Mavs and some of the things they need to clean up so that they can, you know, come out with a win tomorrow. Some of their weaknesses, um, for instance, rebounding, or stopping a fast break. We're going to be going over that in segment one. Segment two, we're going to be going over the game that's finishing up right now, Pelicans and Jazz, because this game actually directly affects the Rockets' seeding. Yeah. Um, of, of course, the Jazz loss will help them in seeding. And, you know, the Pelicans are just trying to get into the playoffs. Right. Uh, and we'll be discussing this NBA overall, Rockets' biggest competition in the West, who we may think come out of the East that of you know, being our second segment. So um, to kind of kick things off, um, looking at tomorrow's game, Anthony, what, what do you think is the Rockets' biggest advantage going against the Mavs? So, um, you know, I was kind of doing a recap of the first two games the Rockets played against Dallas uh, during the season. Rockets went one and one, but, you know, both those games were drastically different and really kind of difficult to – uh, draw an analysis from because in the first game the Rockets were not doing the small ball uh, yet because Clint Capella played in that game but in spite of that I mean the, the Rockets got got dominated you know uh, 130 137 122 uh, no sorry 137 and 123 actually uh, the problem the Rockets had in that game was the second unit was just n- non-existent exactly yes <laughs> You know, the, the Rockets bench was outscored 28 to 11. Uh, ben McLemore, Austin Rivers combined to go 0 for 9 from deep. Um, Harden and Westbrook, they both did their thing. They, they combined for 60 points, 17 assists, 14 boards. But, you know, all in all, Harden from three-point range, shot 2 of 15. The Rockets as a team shot 22.7% from deep. Wow. And that's, not, that's just not going to, that's just not going to, you know, not going to get the job done. Now, the second game they played, Obviously, it was a much different outcome. But the Rockets did win that game, but Luka Doncic didn't play. So it's tough to, to draw a gauge from that. The Rockets did have the small ball by that point. It was already in effect. Uh, Harden and Russ were still combined for six to seven points, 15 assists, 22 rebounds. Rockets' second unit was still outscored, 39 to 24. 
But that was also before Jeff Green got on the roster. I mean, Ben just played Rivers, McLemore, and Tabo Cephalosha. You know, so it, it's kind of a, a wonder that, uh, that, that the Rockets, you know, that the bench – I mean, that, that they weren't as affected, you know, by the lack of bench production as the first game. But they shot 46.7% from deep in that game, which, <laughs> you know, it's going to be hard to lose a game, especially this Rockets team, the way they shoot the three ball. If you're shooting 47% nearly from, from three-point range, I mean, that, that's game over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's – I mean, of course it's obvious, but that's one of the biggest keys for the Rockets is if they're shooting 40 to 45% from the, from the three, most teams are not going to be able to beat them. They're going to beat right. pretty much every team in the NBA because of the volume of threes that they take each game. Right. And you, you also have to factor in that the Mavericks are like top five in attempts – they're like right behind the Rockets in attempts, but they're right. also top 10 in three-point percentage as a team. So you don't necessarily want to get in a three-point contest with them. Right. But, of course, I mean, the Rockets are not going to change what they do. For sure. They're, you know, they're a uh, get to the paint, get to the foul line, shooting threes. So if they can get in that 40 45% range, that only helps them on the offensive end, but that helps them on the defensive end because, as we know, the Rockets – are towards the bottom of the league when it comes to fast break points. So, of course, if they're taking a the ball out the net, you you know, you're not worrying as much about the fast break because then you can set up your defense, you can set up your switches. And, a, of course, it's a lot easier to switch properly when you're actually able to set up your defense. Right. Yeah, I mean, another, another thing, you know, um, the Rockets bench, you know, or lack thereof in those two games – to me, it's going to be a lot different now because the Rockets actually have a deep rotation, a deep lineup. It's always been a matter of will D'Antoni actually play deep into his bench, you know. And, you know, now with, you know, with him having confidence in McLemore, with Rivers, you know, probably going to get an uptick in minutes because of Gordon being out. Jeff Green has, as you pointed out numerous times, especially yes. on Twitter. <laughs> Jeff Green has been phenomenal, you know, not only as a, as a small ball big, but, I mean, he, this season he made 41% of his three-pointers, his career high, you know. Um, so, I mean, Jeff, Jeff Green, obviously, you know, bench productivity. So, the Rockets bench, I don't think – I don't expect the bench to be as big of an issue. And the biggest problem for Dallas is that Harden and Westbrook, they have not been able to stop them this season. I mean, they've averaged 63.5 points per game in the two games they played uh, combined, 18 rebounds combined, 16 assists. I mean, between the two of them alone, that's 64 points that, they, that they're scoring alone, not to mention what they're accounting for. Yeah, and, and of course, everything goes through Harden and Westbrook. And you know off the bat they're probably going to have Finney Smith on Harden because uh, Dorian Finney Smith is probably their best defender. Um, especially their best wing defender. So Harden's still going to get his. It may not be as easy as it's been so far in the bubble um, as it's been the previous three games for Harden. But, you know, he's going to get his 30 to 35 points. But I think where the Rockets really can make some hay is having uh, Hardaway Jr. or Seth Curry or anybody else trying to contain Westbrook. Um, Dallas, you know, one of their biggest issues is their defense. They don't have a lot of on-ball defenders. And, 
you're not going to put Luka, Luka Doncic on him because that'll right. pretty much wear him out. He'll be in foul Barbecue trouble. Barbecue chicken. Like exactly. <laughs> He'll be in foul trouble. So they'll have to put on Hardaway Jr., who's a decent defender, but he's not going to be able to keep Westbrook out the lane. So I think right. that's where you can make hay. And like you were saying about the bench, actually up until this point, or I would say before the trade deadline, the Rockets bench was probably one of the least productive benches in the league. And but when you bring in Jeff Green and when you bring in Damari Carroll, um, that definitely adds some punch off the bench. And like you said, I've been um, pushing the Jeff Green bandwagon <laughs> for like the last month since he's been here, and I'm a right. big Jeff Green fan. So I think I think he'll make a big difference. And you also have to look at with the Mavericks, they're without Willie Cauley Stein. He's not going to play. Right. Um, so they're already going to be shorthanded coming off the bench. And if you look at it, you compare the two benches, and then also Jalen Brunson's not going to play. You look at the two benches, the Rockets actually have a better bench. Definitely. Yeah, they, they definitely do. And, and you know, the Mavericks really, you know, as, you're, as you were hitting at their, their lack thereof on the defensive side, I mean, they're, they're ranked 17th in the league in defensive rating, um, which, again – further highlights and illustrates their struggles on that side, you know, and as you said, they don't really have many, you know, players who are known for their defense on that team right now, you know, so, and again, the, the Rockets, from what we've seen from the Rockets offensively, both throughout, I mean, really throughout the scrimmages as well. I mean, the Rockets have looked good. They, they're going to score points for sure. We know, yes. you know we know the Rockets are going to always score because they shoot, they shoot the three ball so much, but, you know, and, and, and Dallas, at least, you know, in, in the few of these games that they played against each other this season, Dallas has scored, scored well also. But I just – I don't see them being able to match the firepower um, of the Rockets. And, uh, and, of course, I think the Rockets' defense is going to be much better than what we've, what we've seen out of either the two times they played against the Mavericks this season also. So, so what do you think is – I mean, looking at the Mavericks roster, I mean, of course, you you got, you got Doncic. You know he's going to – He's going to put up his MVP-type numbers. But to me, I feel that Porzingis you know, poses the biggest threat to the Rockets because you have multiple wing defenders you can throw at Luka. But if Porzingis is able to get in the paint and cause havoc in the paint, I think that's – to me, that's the biggest issue when you're facing the Mavericks if you're the Rockets. So do you see Porzingis or do you see Luka as, as a bigger problem overall? I mean – when it comes to a bigger overall impact, of course, that's Luca because, I mean, yeah. he's, the, he's their MVP. He dropped 41 uh, in, in the sec second game – no, first game that, that the Rockets uh, play, played, against, uh, played against the Mavericks. Um, but as you said, I mean, look, you know, Kristaps Porzingis is definitely going to be the – I would probably say he'll be – he's the X factor for Dallas pretty much on any given night because – you're expecting Luca. I mean, you're you, you know you go into the game with the game plan of you know let's let's you know contain him. You're not going to shut him down because you know all the different ways that he can impact you know the game, especially on the offensive side. He's not much of a defender, but when it comes to you know Porzingis, you know he he was a guy that they expected, they brought in and thought you know th this is our star. You know they gave him that max contract. You know even though he had missed you know what a year previously because of you know knee, knee injury from when he was in new york but but um you know porzingis he, he he's a he's a he's a shot blocker he obviously has the ability to to you know make the three point three point shot as you say you know he's you know especially in a post game in a paint you know that that's where he could 
uh, dominate. Um, but in my opinion, the, the, the Rockets have the, the length for sure um, and the size to be able to contend and, and, and contest, you know, Porzingis and, and to really be able to kind of reduce the threat of, of, of him just taking over the game. And so would you, looking at it, would you, because, of course, Covington didn't get to play against uh, Luca in that second game. So Covington, you know, one of his biggest strengths is weak side blocking. So would you still put Covington on Luca, knowing that he would pretty much have to stay glued to him? Or would you maybe put someone like a, a Daniel House or, or someone like that so that you could still have that weak side um, potential from Robert Covington? I, I like the idea of allowing Covington to, to roam, you know, and kind of be that, be that, that free safety, you know, uh, because he has the versatility, you know, to be able to, of course, he can switch. Of course, he can defend guards, forwards, bigs. So I like what you were saying about, you know, having house um, be, you know, responsible for being, you know, the primary defender, because I wouldn't really want to take away. I mean, what the way that the Rockets use Covington worked for it, worked to a T. I mean, he averaged two and a half blocks, game which would have been second best in a league if he maintained that for the whole season yeah. so I don't really want to switch the way that they've been using him defensively I think I'd st- I think I like the idea of house being the primary defender yeah like you said I mean look at his numbers it's, it's been crazy um, he's been since he's came to the Rockets he's like top five in block shots and of course right. you wouldn't really think of that because all you hear about is small ball and the Rockets are the smallest team in NBA history and, you know, yeah. all the extra stuff that you see on Twitter and other places. But Robert Cousins right. has actually been one of the better shot blockers in the league since he came to the Rockets. Yeah. Yeah, he has. He has. And, and that, you know, that's, that's the element that the Rockets, you know, even though Capella was a, was a, was a pretty good, pretty good shot blocker, pretty solid rim protector. You know, he, he never, he never touched those numbers that Covington has, has already averaged just in a short stint he was here. And what's impressive to me about that is that, you know, he, he joined the team mid season, you know, it's, it's not, it's not easy to just adapt on the fly yes. like that, especially a whole new system, a whole new scheme, you know? So the fact that he was able to instantly, you know, thrive in that role, we can only expect him to get better, which is scary for, you know, like Russell Westbrook says, scary for the rest of the league. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, you think about it, not every team – I mean, most teams have some switching, but not every team is as switch-heavy as the Rockets. I mean, the Rockets right. pretty much switch almost every action. Right. So having to come into that midseason and, you know, during trade deadline, you're not going to have a lot of practice time right after the trade deadline. So – this training camp and then the scrimmage games, I mean, that to me, that's going to make a huge difference. And, and the biggest difference is probably going to be, like, the communication on offense and defense. Right. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to have – obviously, they're going to have more opportunities to – well, they should have more opportunities to communicate. There's no fans. There's not any – of course, any legitimate crowd noise. Now, P.J. Tucker, obviously, he said that the Rockets, even without that, they don't really have yes, players. <laughs> they don't really, really have players that, you know, that, that communicate like that. The one thing I do worry about a little bit of uh, Covington lately from his preseason is he's fouled out, you know, yes. in, in, in two of those, I mean, two straight scrimmages. Now, some of that ticky-tack foul calls, you know, not necessarily the best officiating, which I know Rockets Twitter has pointed out, oh, and, yeah. and, right, and rightfully so. Uh, do you do you worry about about some of the 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 foul outs and, and the you know Covington getting called with so many fouls throughout the preseason? I mean, you definitely do because um, 
to me anyway, Covington is probably – he's the most versatile defender you have. And I don't know if it's just a matter of they haven't played in a while and he's, you know, stepped behind or he's still trying to, you know, get his bearings about him after not playing, you know, organized team ball for four months. But, yeah, yeah I mean, if he's getting in foul trouble, I mean, that's, that's huge. He's probably right. – even more than Tucker, you cannot have him in foul trouble because you really don't have anybody that can do everything he can do. I mean, Jeff Green is great on the offensive end, but he's not going to be able to switch out on every single player on the court and provide right. you with shot blocking. So, yeah, Covington, if Covington and, and Tucker are in foul trouble, you, you're definitely going to be in trouble. Yeah. And, you know, what, what I hope that's not, that's not a – you know, I hope that this is not going to be a sign of – you know, them, you know, officiating the game tightly, you know, calling, you know, ticky-tack fouls. You know, I don't really think that that's the brand or even the way to, you know, officiate, especially this situation. Because, like you said, the players haven't been, you know, on the court in four-plus months. You know, that's going to be expected, in my opinion. Yeah, because, I mean, we saw a couple of ticky-tack uh, push-offs called against Harden. Because, you know, when defenders are guarding Harden, what they're going to do, they're going to flail, flail their arms back and, you know, act like Harden just hit them with a bat. So right. I'm, I know that's something Harden, you know, definitely needs to watch because a lot of players are going to try to play him tough, try to, you know, get in his head and, you know, try to get those ticky-tack fouls. And a lot of times you get those ticky-tack fouls, you may not be aggressive on the offensive end going to the basket. Right. So I think that's definitely something to watch. And like you, yeah. like you said, hopefully, hopefully the refs aren't calling it extremely tight because, I mean, I know, you know, they have to follow the letter of the law, but really nobody wants to see all the star players getting five or six fouls before the end yeah. of the quarter and not playing. Yeah, that, that would be a great way to ruin <laughs> yes. the product that, that's already – I mean, I'll tell you what, this is not to get off topic. I actually have been pretty impressed with the quality of the game that we've seen you know, it, throughout the scrimmages and, and even tonight. You know, I know that people were thinking they was going to take away from the overall, you know, quality and the product. And I'm sure it has, but I, I'm surprised that it actually has still been, you know, entertaining and worth watching. I just don't want that to be ruined by, you know, poor officiating. Yeah, because to me, I mean, of course, there's no fans there, but the way they're pumping in noise and just the atmosphere, I don't see i don't really look at him like man it's nobody there it seems like an empty gym it actually feels more like an nba game i don't know yeah. if it's just maybe i'm just been wanting basketball for four months but <laughs> at this point it's, it doesn't really seem like it's something that's just taken away from the game yeah yeah for sure i agree i agree i, I it's, it's been captivating it's, it's been entertaining you know to the point where <laughs> i can't wait for the next game I'm like man you know especially scrimmages i'm like who plays tonight you know, not the Rockets. Okay, that's fine. I'll still watch anyways, <laughs> you know. Just any NBA basketball at this point would be, yeah. would be fine with me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, as we wrap up the, the first segment, uh, what's your prediction on this first game? Do you see the Rockets coming out here? Because we've had some players say that, yes, you know, they're going to be playing these games hard, but, you know, it's still more about them getting ready for the playoffs. So, how do you see this first game going? So I think the Rockets are going to definitely come out and play this game hard. I mean, if there was any kind of question about that, the last scrimmage against Boston was a sign of that. I mean, Boston didn't even play their stars, and the Rockets played theirs, and they still took that serious. And when the game was over, you know, Russell Westbrook was like, I play every game like it matters. Every game to me counts. Yeah. 
So, you know, I, I do expect the Rockets to, to take the court with that mindset. I, I do expect the Rockets to come out and, and dominate Dallas. Yeah, and if anybody had any doubts, I mean, you're watching them against basically Boston's G League, and you would think that first half, they may not even come back and play the second half, but, I mean, they pretty much, they played that game to win. So if they're taking scrimmage games, like you said, that serious, I, I don't see them coming out like a days ago and maybe trying to take some games off and, you know, to the playoffs come. So I, I definitely see them coming out, trying to uh, put Dallas in a hole early. And when you got players like Harden, who never wants to come off the court, and Westbrook, who, I mean, he probably plays games against his kids probably as hard as he does in the NBA. Yeah. Everybody's going to take their lead. And I, I, I do think the Rockets, like you said, they have more offensive firepower. And they have just enough defense to where I think Dallas is maybe in a few years, but right now I still think the Rockets are the better team. So I, I expect the Rockets to come out on top. Yeah, agreed. So – Coming up in our next segment, we're going to be discussing the game that just finished between the Pelicans and the Jazz, and uh, we're going to be going over the NBA as a whole. Like, we're going to go over who's the Rockets' toughest competition. We're going to go over who do we may think come out of the East, and uh, that's all coming up in our second segment, so we'll be back in a few. Support for this podcast comes from AT&T. All right, so there are a lot of reasons to like AT&T 5G. Check this out. My friend Lisa, who is a professional race car driver and base jump wingsuit enthusiast, likes AT&T 5G because it's fast. My friend Terry, who's a bodyguard who once also wrestled a hyena when he got too close to his client on safari, likes AT&T 5G because it's secure. And my friend Sasha, who's a librarian and hasn't missed a day of work in 27 years, ooh, not even that time she broke both her legs and had the measles, likes AT&T 5G because it's reliable. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's fast, secure, and reliable. And now nationwide. AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires a compatible plan. 5G may not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for 5G coverage details. And we are back in here at the Launchpad podcast presented by Clutch City Control Room preparing to first discuss the first game of the, uh, of the opening night between the Jazz and the Pelicans. LaShar, let me ask you this. What, what were your thoughts or takeaways from that game? So it, it's kind of funny because it started off, um, the Jazz were in control early, and it kind of looked like the Jazz was just going to run away with it. But as soon as the Jazz went to their bench, that's when it seemed like the Pelicans were able to get back into it. I mean, I was, I was shocked at how good J.J. Reddick looked. I mean, he came in and kind of just took control of the entire game. He, he's the one that kind of got them back into the game, man. Um, the Pelicans just kind of just ran by them in the second and third quarter. Um, but it just kind of seemed like inexperience and then Zion not playing that much. I really yeah. thought Zion was going to play more than he did. And it, it didn't look like he played down the stretch. So it's kind of hard to, to judge this Pelican team because they're still not really fully whole. Right. And, but just looking at it, I mean, to me, and it's not just because of my jazz hate that goes back 30 years. <laughs> Yeah. I just don't see I just don't see how the Jazz can advance in the playoffs because they just don't seem to have enough offense, especially off the bench. Yeah, I mean, so so I, I actually agree with you, especially your take on Zion. I mean, he, he played 15 minutes tonight. You know, he went six of eight. So I mean, 
mean, you kind of have to have to question if he had the hot hand like that. I mean, and, and I understand that, you know, he spent time away from the bubble. You know, he had to tend to a family emergency, you know, so he wasn't with the team for the, the whole entire training camp. And I, I know he missed a few scrimmages. So maybe Alvin Gentry didn't necessarily want to, to, to rise legs too much in the first game, which I understand that partly. But by the same token, the Pelicans are not in the playoffs. I mean, they don't have the eighth spot right now. So all these games matter to them. And like you said, Zion didn't even play, play you know, win the, in the final minutes of the game when it was clutch, when it mattered down the stretch. You know, um, and, and even, even, even when the Jazz took the lead, I saw they, they got the lead back late in the fourth, and it was their first time being up since they were leading 23-21 in the first quarter. So – even as the Jazz were closing in on that deficit and when they took the lead, I would have I would have thought, you know, Zion would have either gone back in at that point or definitely the final two minutes um, because, I mean, it, it did end up costing them. Now, like you said, the Jazz, you know, they, they don't have the offensive firepower. I mean, Donovan Mitchell, you know, he finished the game 20 points, 6 to 14. Um, you know, he, he didn't necessarily – he didn't necessarily look crisp, especially the defense of Drew Holiday, which – I mean, Drew Holiday is one of the better defending, yes, especially guards, you know, in, in the league. Um, Conley, you know, he had 20 points, 7 of 16. Um, so, you know, the the Jazz didn't necessarily shoot great from three. I mean, Clarkson went one of eight. Royce O'Neal went two of seven. Joe Ingles, who's normally one of their better, you know, three-point shooters, one for three. Mike Conley went two for seven. So, I mean, they didn't necessarily shoot great from long range. But, again, you know, the Pelicans collapsed late in the game and, it, you know, Jazz end up stealing the first one. Yeah, and, I mean, if you, and you look at it and, and it kind of swing back towards the rocks a little bit, when you yeah. take Harden off and Harden on Westbrook off the court, you still have another great Hall of Famer ball handler on the court. Like when the Jazz go to their bench, I mean, you're not going to run the offense through Rudy Gobert. So if Donovan Mitchell's not on the court, you're pretty much dependent on – Jordan Clarkson, who's I mean he's a he's a good he's player. He's but he's he's extremely streaky. You know you you can't you can't go into the playoffs and depend on him game after game to uh, run an offense. So when Donovan Mitchell's not on the court, as we saw when the Rockets played the Jazz last couple of years in the playoffs, when Eric Gordon was playing you know phenomenal defense on Mitchell, they had no one else to go to, and I think that's kind of what's leading to all the trade talk for Gobert because. I can't really see a, a scenario where both of those players are going to be with the Jazz, you know, for too many more years. Yeah, yeah I mean, and the thing about Gobert is, you know, go as far as, for as great of a, as a defensive player that he is, which is very valuable, I won't take that away from him, he's got such limited, you know, overall impact overall. Yeah. Because on offense, I mean, he's not, he's not a guy that's – he doesn't really have any type of, uh, obviously, offensive – game and as far as his defensive you know again he's a great defensive player but I wonder how much of his defensive success has been playing in Quinn Snyder's system yeah because I mean if, if you look at it when Gobert's off the court I mean I, I don't and now Bradley hasn't played a lot but there's not a huge drop off in defense I mean Gobert is the type of person he's not gonna he doesn't really use his size on offense he uses, yeah. it, he uses it very well on defense, you know, clogging up the lane, block shots, getting rebounds. But on offense, he plays extremely small. I mean, it's, it's been times where players like Harden and P.J. Tucker has just been able to just uh, keep him out of the paint. So, 
I just don't see where the Jazz can can really make up for that offensive. Um, not having you know Bajanovic is is huge. Right. He was probably yeah, their sure. second best offensive player. So now you're just depending on strictly on Donovan Mitchell, right. and and you kind of saw it in the game where they were able to come back and win, but, but against the better teams, I just don't see how you can play like that and, and win consistently. Yeah. I mean, so a, a couple of things that really jumped out to me, the jazz shot 23.5% from three point range. Wow. And they had less rebounds and assists than the Pelicans and they still won. Yes. That's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, that's not going to happen against against the, the better legitimate contending teams. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, and if Zion plays more than 15 minutes, the Pelicans probably win this game going away, honestly. Right. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. Now, as far as, you know, speaking of, speaking of you know, the Western Conference, um, who, who do you feel like are some of the, the other, well, I guess the biggest threats to the Rockets, you know, at, at – throughout the Western Conference? So, I mean, looking at, of course, you have the L.A. teams. Yeah. Um, you have the Denver Nuggets. But, I mean, the thing I'll say about the Denver Nuggets, um, they, they're kind of in the mold of they're a really good team, but is there anybody on the team where you're just deathly afraid of? I mean, Jokic is, Jokic is great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, he's he's, he's uh, pretty much a, close to a triple-double uh, center, which is really rare these days. Um, but are you really scared of Jamal Murray? Are you really scared of Gary Harris? I mean, Paul Millsap. I mean, they have a lot of really good players, but when it comes to playoff time, there's no one I really fear for the, on the Nuggets. Um, the, to me, the biggest threat for the Rockets is going to be the Clippers. And I say that over the Lakers just because LeBron and AD may be better players or maybe a better duo than Kawhi and Paul George. But the Clippers just have so many other variables. They have the great defensive player in Patrick Beverly uh, and, and Paul George, of course. And then you have people like Lou Williams. You have people like Montrez Harrell. They, they just have more weapons. And to me, I, I'm more afraid of the Clippers than playing the Lakers. I think the Rockets have enough firepower to get past Lakers. But the Clippers, that's the one team that really scares me. You know, it's, it's, it's not any fun when we agree on things. It's better when we get to disagree. But, <laughs> but I actually agree with that with that take. I mean, so the Lakers, <laughs> it's so funny to me how when the Rockets first, you know, you know, unveiled small ball, it was like, oh, the Rockets are, they're, they're, you know, they're talking about the munchkins. Oh, yeah. It was you no know. way they were going to beat them, yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was like, oh, the Lakers had these towering bigs and Peter Tucker's not big enough. And <laughs> – I mean, Russell Westbrook dominated the Lakers in both games that they played. And, you know, as you pointed out before, Russell Westbrook really is the Rockets' true center, yes. especially offensively. I mean, Russell Westbrook, <laughs> in the first game with that small ball, dropped 35 points, nine rebounds, seven assists on 65.2. Which is higher than, you know, so Westbrook, of course, ended up finding his niche in the Rockets' offense and getting his field goal percentage up higher. But before this season, that wasn't really something that was, you know, his specialty. The second game when they played Lakers and they did have small ball, he dropped 41, 41 points, eight boards on 17-28, from the floor. So the Lakers clearly don't have, you know, the threat of small ball is obviously Russell Westbrook, you know, you're demanding that 
the opposing team's big man stay in front of Russ. And and that's not going to happen no matter who you play against, frankly, because he's obviously one of the one of, if not the most athletic point guards you've ever seen. But when you consider Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, I mean, even Anthony Davis, those guys are, you know, they don't they don't have the ability to stay in front in front of Russ. That small ball is, in my opinion, a big problem for the Lakers. So I agree with you that the Clippers are, you know, the better, uh, bigger challenge to the Rockets because they they have their own version of small ball, frankly. Um, I know none of the Rockets went two and two against the Clippers and they went one and one versus the Lakers, but the Clippers have way more depth. The Lakers, I mean, all they, I mean, this is a lot. I mean, you have a duo of LeBron and AD. That's, <laughs> that's tough. But besides that, I mean, the only player on the team even averaging 10 a game was Kyle Kuzma. And Kyle Kuzma has actually had a, had a bad year compared to the talk going into the season about, is he the third star? You know, he's not ready to be the third star, all that, you know, um, the Clippers have depth. I mean, on their bench, you've got Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell on the second unit. Yeah. I mean, that's the you know, scoring duo. Yeah, off the bench. Yeah, I mean that that's that's crazy. And and like you said, the Clippers they also have better individual defensive players between Pat Beverly, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. You know, in the playoffs, he's been hit or miss. <laughs> he's been hit or miss. <laughs> yeah, he's he's definitely not been consistent, but. You know, in my opinion, the Clippers, they are a bigger threat to the Rockets than the Lakers are, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's exactly where I was going with the Lakers. They, I mean, once you get past LeBron James and Anthony Davis, I mean, who are you going to worry about on that team? Avery Bradley didn't is not in Orlando with them. Which hurts. Um, yeah, that, that, I mean, he may not be a 20-point-a-game scorer, but he's that type of player that can make the big shot and can still guard, you know, Harden or Westbrook. Now you're depending on, you know, I know they love Caruso, but he hasn't shown anything in the playoffs. He's a decent player, but are you really going to depend on him? You know, and I know they brought in J.R. Smith and Deion Waiters, but there's a reason why they have been out of the league for as long as they've been out of the league. I mean, I know they had a great scrimmage game, but I mean, again, that's a scrimmage game. Right. So you don't know what they're going to bring. So honestly, if, if I'm the Rockets, Anthony Davis is going to get his. I'm going to make LeBron James work for everything he gets. I'm going to have either Tucker or Covington shadow him everywhere. He's still going to – I mean, he's LeBron James. He's still going to put up great numbers. But after that, who are you going to worry about if you're the Rockets? I mean, you sag in the paint and you make people like Danny Green and Alex Caruso and Deion Waiters beat you. And if they beat you, then, I mean, hats off to them. But – Right. I mean, with the Clippers, they got multiple scores, multiple defenders. And I know everybody's motivated in the playoffs, but you know people like Montrez Harrell, Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly are going to be even more motivated to beat the Rockets. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, you know, the, the Clippers right now, I mean, they're, you know, they're not necessarily in disarray, but they haven't been – they haven't had a full collective group in the bubble because, you know, I mean, you know, a few guys have had, you know, several, you know, unfortunate family emergencies to attend to. I know, you know, I know Montrose Harrell is actually not playing tonight. Uh, Lou Williams had, had, you know, he had the urge to go to Magic City. <laughs> he says he wants says he wants the chicken wings. Hey, but... Some really good wings. <laughs> yeah, right. But so, I mean, you know, the Clippers, they haven't been there a full unit, at least in the bubble, but, 
what we saw from them. I mean, really all season, they battled injuries, guys in and out of the rotation, Paul George missing games. You know, you had Kawhi low, low management. So I don't think that's really going to be a, an issue for, for them. You know, the fact that they've had guys, you know, away from the team, you know, in, in Orlando per se. But I do think that the Clippers, the Clippers are, to me, the the biggest threat to the Rockets. I mean, going back to what you were saying about the Lakers, you know, AD's going to get his, LeBron's going to get his. But when the Rockets and the Lakers last played, LeBron only had 18 points in that game. And I went back and did, did some numbers. This season, there were 11 games where LeBron had less than 20 points, and the Lakers went five and six during those games. And they dropped – I mean, some of those losses were to the Magic, Memphis Grizzlies, you know, teams that are below 500. So – and hey, look, LeBron's, you know, you, you can't bank on that happening, you know, every game or even frequently. But I think it does show that, like you said, AD's going to get his, you know, LeBron is really kind of, in my opinion, LeBron is more of an impact to the Lakers team. You know, so if, if you can, if you can just find ways to, like I said, you're not going to stop him, he's going to get his, but if you can contain him offensively, the Lakers don't have that third player to step up. And like you said, you know, J.R. Smith, Deion Waiters, yeah, we'll see. You know, um, they played well. Yes, they did play well in, in, in Orlando and in, in, in the scrimmages that they, you know, played. And, but, again, it's not, it's not live bullets flying at you. And, you know, J.R. Smith, he, he does – I will say he does have chemistry with LeBron from obviously when they were in Cleveland. Deion Waiters, not so much. You know, they both yeah. – <laughs> Both of them have been out of action for a while. You know, we'll see. But in my opinion, the Clippers are a bigger threat to the Rockets. Yeah, exactly. And, of course, it's pretty much seemed like it's lining up that one way or another they're going to be facing one of the L.A. teams in the second round. So, right. I guess we'll get that matchup uh, sooner than, rather than later. Right. Um, so, kind of since we got a few minutes left, um, what's, like, your opinion of, of what team do you think is going to come out of the East or has the best chance? Do you think it's Toronto, even though, you know, they lost Kawhi, but it doesn't really seem they missed a beat? Or do you think the Bucks are finally going to break through? So, in my, in my opinion, my Eastern Conference pick is Milwaukee. Um, I, like I said, Toronto, they, they've, looked, they've looked better than I would have thought. You know, Siakam has stepped up, you know, into, into that star player, proving that he's worthy of that contract. But in my opinion, the Bucks are are the top team, you know, top team, really top team in the league, in my opinion, not just because of record, but, you know, um, and I hate saying this because, you know, I think Giannis – robbed Harden of, uh, <laughs> of MVP. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then him poking the bear throughout throughout the season, trying to take jabs. But, you know, in my opinion, you know, Giannis, it, it's going to depend on what Chris Middleton does, obviously. Um, I think that Chris Middleton is not exactly the star that I've seen, you know, Bleacher Report at least say he's a top 10 yeah. player. I don't yeah. – I, I mean, According to Bleacher Report, he's better than Westbrook. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't buy that. But, but I do think that Milwaukee, you know um, – they mainly they largely have the same unit that they had last season, which they, you know, I mean, really they they, they collapsed against against Kawhi and 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 I also like uh, Mike Budenholzer. That coach is legit. Yeah, he he seems to you know have a, a perfect system for Giannis, and I mean it's crazy. Uh, I mean everybody talks about you know their offense, but they're the best defensive team in the league. You go look at the defensive rating of the, the top players in the league. The first four or five are all Milwaukee Bucks. Um, I think it also comes down to if Brooke Lopez plays like he played last year yeah. and if Giannis can um, get over that hump, I, 
I really don't see a team that can stand in their way. The, the only team I, I give a, a small chance to is Boston, just Boston, because they yeah. have so many weapons. And yeah. if Kimba keeps playing as well as he has, they actually have the athletes that can kind of match up with Milwaukee. But like you said, if, if Middleton plays anywhere near as, as well as, you know, some sites say he is, um, <laughs> they, 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 they will pretty much, you know, walk out of the East because they have the best defense. Um, as much as, you know, Giannis robbed Harden last year of that MVP, um, <laughs> he's he still probably one of the, if not the hardest player to keep out of the paint. And when he's in the paint, it's pretty much over. It's just a matter of is he going to hit enough three-pointers to where teams are actually going to pay attention to him out on the three-point line. Right, which which I would say is a no. <laughs> no, yeah. And until, he's, <laughs> until he's at least making 35%. I don't know why you would even come close to him on a three-point line. If he wants to stay out there and shoot threes for the entire <laughs> game, that's actually bailing out most teams. But, right. I mean, they, they have they have enough weapons. And I, I think uh, uh, probably a, per, a player that's not talked about enough, like Wesley Matthews. Yeah. He's like fits in perfect for that team. You know, he's the type of player. He doesn't have a score a lot, but right. he can still make the big three. He still is a, a, a plus defender. So they have yeah. enough weapons to where I just really don't see anybody knocking them off in the East. And, you know, we also didn't even discuss Eric Bledsoe, who, who was also, yeah. you know, one of the better defenders, you know, all defense, you know, as well. So, so you, I mean, you know, that, that, that's why, that's, you know, kind of we, we agree on, on Milwaukee. Uh, obviously, Boston, you know, they, they've got some, some young stars, but I just think it's, it's a little too early. It's not their time yet, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Tatum, I mean, I'll probably say in a couple of years, he'll probably be a top five player. I don't think he's there yet. Right. And, and Jalen Brown, to me, is still kind of the question mark. Is he going to take that next step, or is he still just going to be the – sometimes he has a great game, sometimes you don't even know he's there type player. Right. And then, you know, you, 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 Kimball Walker, maybe it's just because he was with Charlotte. He hasn't had a real lot, a lot of playoff success, so you don't really know what he's going to give you in the playoff. But maybe in a few years they'll be there. But right now, I, I really do think it's Milwaukee's time. Yeah, agreed. Especially in the East. Yeah, because it's, it's not – you're not going to – I know they're better up top in the East, but if you're looking at the bottom of the East, there's still a lot of teams under 500. Right. Teams like Orlando that shouldn't even probably be there, but yeah. still have a chance to make the playoffs. So, I mean, it's still the East. It's still going to be an easier path. So, you know, I, I, yeah, we definitely do agree. It's probably going to yeah. end up being Milwaukee. And then in the West, you know, not just because, you know, we're Rockets fans, but the Rockets have just as good as chance of anybody. When you have two of the top ten players in the league, if they get hot and – you're able to play some semblance of 2017-18 defense, the Rockets have just a good shot at anybody to come out of the West. Agreed. Agreed. Especially with the way they shoot threes, uh, especially the way that their defense had improved, you know, once they once they got Covington. I think they had the eighth best defensive rating uh, from when Covington joined the team on out through the rest of the season, which, again, you know, he, he was immediately thrown into the rotation, didn't really ha have much time to adjust yeah. or adapt so we only we should expect that to get better, you know, here on out. Now, Gordon being out for a couple of weeks, you know, that's things. Uh, that's that's not ideal timing. I know he had he he didn't necessarily have his best season. I think he actually has worse season, especially over Rockets careers. Absolute worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's down across the board, point three point shooting. 
but but he still has the ability to drop 50. <laughs> you know, he's he's got that, and he's still a great defender, too. Yeah, and, and I think that's what people are missing. You can never have enough on-ball defenders, and Gordon's shot I really wasn't worried about right now because that the shot is probably the 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 one thing that if you don't have enough repetitions, especially in-game repetitions, taking threes, it's going to take a while for some player's shot to come back. He's a rhythm shooter. He's not like, you know, a James Harden who can just shoot from anywhere. Right. He can shoot off the dribble. It doesn't matter who's in his face. Gordon is like a rhythm shooter. So, to me, he actually looked quick on his drives. So, that's what kind of encouraged, encouraging to me, that he looked quick on his drives and he was moving his feet. So, I, I think – I know a lot of Rockets Twitter – was ready for Gordon to not be playing pretty much at all. So yeah. it may not be a big deal to them, but they they will need Eric Gordon if they're going to come out of the West. Yeah, you know, but I think that if he's out for two weeks, the Rockets have enough depth to be able to, you know, divvy up his minutes between, you know, I think Macklemore probably will play a little bit more, all those defenses, not necessarily, you know, uh, decent at all. Um, you still have Rivers who I think many people have kind of forgotten about, especially lately. I know he's been away from the team, so that could be the reason. Um, of course, you know, House is obviously starting. Jeff Green, you know, is we've said it earlier tonight, but the ability for him to play as a small ball big or play either forward position, I mean, that's huge. So I think they'll be able – they should be able to withstand his absence. I know they have some games against some – a few pretty formidable opponents – but I do think the Rockets would be okay. If he's only out two weeks, I think the Rockets would be okay. Yeah, and I know we're running up against it on time. But okay. <laughs> one other player, Ben McLemore, I mean, he is the biggest surprise of the year. I mean, yeah. it's, just, it's just amazing. He went from almost getting cut. I mean, it was almost to a point where um, I think even Dan Tony may have mentioned him. He may not make the team. <laughs> To like right. now, if you look at the numbers, he's like top five or, or top six in offensive rating. So yeah. he's been like one of the, the biggest revelations for me as far as the Rockets are concerned. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's top 23 and three pointers made, 39.5%. I mean, I mean, that, and, and nobody wanted him. Like you said, nobody wanted him. Yeah. So, I mean, we get started tomorrow and we actually get to see how this all plays out. So I, I know I'm definitely ready for that. Oh, yeah, me too, for sure. <laughs> I definitely am. All right, so that's going to do it for the day. Um, so if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you appreciate the consistent digital and podcast breakdowns, analysis, speculation, best voices and camaraderie of our team, please consider clicking the link in the description to check out one of our monthly Patreon subscription options. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Launchpod Podcast covering my favorite team and your favorite team, the Houston Rockets. <laughs>